Hello and welcome back to another episode of Movie Bollocks. It's been a little while, but it always is, because I need to have a worthwhile amount of movies to get through. And this episode is no different, as you will have already read in the description. So yes, it's 20 movies. 20 movies! And nearly as many TV series. So, with that kind of um, menu... Let's uh, let's start on the first course, shall we? Well, now, as always, I'm not suggesting that you watch any of these, and I'm not suggesting you don't watch any of these. I'm going to tell you what I thought, and you take that on board, um, whatever it means. If you disagree, please do get in touch, um, and if you discover something, let me know. It's always good to know. Right, here we go. Straight in, first movie, Kandahar, starring, of course... 300's Gerard Butler Gerard Butler Sparta No, it's uh, this is Kandahar actually So, it's two hours long And um, a, CIA, a CIA operative and his translator Flee from special forces in Afghanistan After exposing a covert mission um, This is a nuts and bolts action thriller with a little bit of heart as well. Gerard Butler, I find, is actually getting better in his old age. Um, I really enjoyed his uh, performances recently. Um, and I think I might have already reviewed the movie. I did, actually. Plane, which uh, P-L-A-N-E. If you see, honestly, it's a lot better than the title suggests. Kandahar. Um, it's good. It's really good. Um, he's good in it. There's... You've heard the story. They've got to get out. I don't want to give too much away. But if, if you're in the mood for, you know, like I said, nuts and bolts, six out of ten, worth your time, action movie, then this is the one. Um, it's really well done, well shot, really well paced. Um, you know, not going to change the world, but yeah, definitely worth a watch. So... I know, really, really glowing that, wasn't it? So, next up, after Kandahar, we go straight to... Uh, well, actually, we don't. I've just... Do you know what? I've just closed a tab I didn't mean to, so bear with me. Yeah, no, I'm going to go get it. So, early doors. I'm going with a German movie. Yep, German movie on Netflix, 6.5 out of 10. I'm going to stop doing that because it's a bit... Oh, I might mention it again, but anyway. Here we go. At the end of World War Two, a German soldier is looking for his daughter while an SS troop is looking for a Jewish, for Jewish treasure. Well, it says for a Jewish treasure. I really enjoyed this. If you can do subtitles, do it. If not, it's on Netflix. You will get a, um, a fairly hammy um, voiceover. But I, I say that because they all seem to be like that on Netflix. But I really enjoyed this movie. Intrigue. Um, fleeing from the Nazis and yeah you can well imagine this being a true story at no point does it say it is but it's it's what got me um, into it initially was the fact that the opening sort of five ten minutes just grab you they absolutely grab you and um, yeah from there on out it's definitely worth a watch. I, again, I don't want to give too much away. There's a reason why that is the premise of the movie. But it's well acted, well shot. And if you're in the mood for something a little bit different, because let's face it, a German 
film on the Second World War is a little bit different, although we're seeing more and more of them now, and, you know, really, really stunning. Uh, This isn't stunning, but very enjoyable, and again, well-acted, looks great, well-directed, well-paced, worth your time. That's blood and gold. Now, the thing is, right, that that was blood and gold, and the next movie I watched, because I will, you are getting these in the order I watched them, was Blood and Money. Mm. Also on Netflix, or possibly Prime. This stars... Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. It's basically, that's Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. Um, this is the, uh, well, basically, a... Reti- I'm not going... I'm going to stop saying basically, I promise. A retired veteran hunting in northern Maine stumbles across a dead woman and a large sum of money. That's not really true, to be fair. He stumbles across a dead woman because he fucking shoots her. Oops, let that one out the bag. This is Tom Berenger running around in a very cold part of the uh, of the world in a massive forest um, and basically realising that there's a gang out there who are on the run with a load of money. He's killed one of them. He now has the money. They're going to be coming for him. And what are we going to do about it? So it's a, a, a lethal game of cat and mouse in one of the most sparsely populated areas in the world. That would about sum it up. I enjoyed it. Again, not life-changing, but I enjoyed it. And it's 90 minutes, so you can't go wrong. And Tom Berenger, he doesn't do enough these days. He's a he's a bit of a ledge. And, yeah, I'm actually watching the trailer play at the moment and thinking, yeah, maybe I enjoyed that more than I thought. Definite, definite 90 minute worth worth watching. Now, next up, The Forever Purge. Are you aware of The Purge series? I am. I've only seen the first one when it came out. Can't be bothered with any of the others. But I heard good things about this and it rocked up on either Netflix or Prime. And it said all the rules are broken as a sect of lawless marauders decides that the annual purge does not stop at daybreak and instead should never end. This movie is the first one I've got a little bit more to say about. There's a feeling as you're watching, like I I found myself feeling as I was watching this that unlike any other purge films I've seen, actually now I remember I've seen two, unlike any of the others, this kind of feels like we're, we're we're not that far away from this like this could actually happen there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff about um the mexican border um and yeah it's it's almost like today's politics are playing out in the background but but they're they're accentuated to a more confrontational level and it just makes the whole thing feel a bit more real. And there are some really good performances in this. I'm going to mention it only gets a 5.5, uh, sorry, a 5.4 on IMDb. Totally worth more than that, in my opinion. Some really good action. Um, but more importantly, with a movie like this, it's it's going to, you know, The Purge is very simple. And this is not going to be a very good film if all it's going to do is just play out the purge and it doesn't and it just keeps you on your toes keeps you moving and um 
some of it I found somewhat prescient. So, yeah, if you're up for a bit of purge, yeah, I, I, I would definitely go with um, I would definitely go with this one. I really enjoyed it. One hour, 45 minutes. Next up, it's the Killer Book Club, just called Killer Book Club, or as it should be known, El Club de los Lectores Criminales. That's right. It's a Spanish movie, Spanish, Portuguese, not sure which one. Only one hour and a half long. And it's on Netflix. Eight horror-loving friends fight for their lives when a killer clown who seems to know the grim secret they share begins to pick them off one by one. Well, if you thought that any of the recent remakes of Scream were a bit rubbish... Well, they look like fucking works of art compared to Killer Book Club. This really does feel like a Spanish filmmaker thought he could get away with completely ripping off Scream and quite a few other modern horror films and nobody would notice. Complete with complete with Mask, the masked killer, complete with constantly refer- referencing itself and constantly refer- referencing other movies and, confer- and and constantly winking at the camera. In fact, the mask belonging to the killer, one of the eyes is winking and it's just all so knowing, all so pleased with itself. But the problem is it's not as good as it thinks it is. And yeah, I just about managed to hang in for the 90 minutes. Bog standard horror affair, but... I mean, it's re- it looks fantastic, but this is a prime example of a movie looking great or sounding great. It's it's not enough. It's really not enough, and the characters are a bit, eh, yeah, whoever. It's yeah, it's all a bit meh for me, really. But there you go. That was just me. Killer Book Club. Next up. Oh, I certainly couldn't say that for this. This is the story of. Kajaki, K-A-J-A-K-I, otherwise known as Kilo to Bravo. This uh, Kajaki Dam, 2006, a company of young British soldiers encounter an unexpected, terrifying enemy. A dried out riverbed. Yeah. How? Well, I'm not going to give away what it does here. But this is basically a load of guys over in Afghanistan looking after a, a, a piece of land that's quite quite quiet, an area that's quite quiet near the Kajaki Dam. This is a true story. And at one point in this movie, there is a scene that is so horrific that is, it's painful to watch because the people in this scene are in pain. But it just goes on and on and on. This is really tough to watch. This is a real-life horror film. Because war is pretty scarier than any stupid fucker in a mask, if I'm honest. Yeah, And this, there isn't even a war going on, but they end up in one... I don't want to give too much away. It's a real tough watch if you 
nobody in the force, no anyone in the forces or anything like that. I'm sure you've probably already seen this. I came to it completely unaware, and uh, yeah, it it really left its mark on me. And I'm just seeing little bits of it play out in front of me at the moment, and um, it's not an easy watch. And I, you know, I I'd say definitely give it a whirl. That's me, you know completely undoing everything I said earlier but I would I would solidly recommend this film but it is not for everybody it is a hard watch and don't get comfortable sat there thinking in the first however many minutes that oh this is nowhere you'll get there you'll get there next up well it wouldn't be movie bollocks without me reviewing a Nicolas Cage film of course is it a film is it a movie yeah it's pretty much a nothing of nothing it's only 90 minutes after being forced to drive a mysterious passenger at gunpoint a man finds himself in a high stakes game of cat and mouse where it becomes clear that not everything is as as it seems i mean fucking hell have you ever heard a more bog standard fucking uh, description of a movie that that's just like that could be anything that could be that that could describe a hundred movies after being forced to drive a mysterious passenger at gunpoint seen that before a man finds himself in a high stakes game of cat and mouse i mean come on i thought it was it became illegal to use that phrase after the 80s where it just got worn out and where it becomes clear that not everything is as it seems or as this should be read after being forced to drive a mysterious passenger at gunpoint, a man finds himself in a high-stakes game of cat and mouse where it becomes clear that not everything is as it seems. Starring Nicolas Cage. Because who else would it fucking star? <laughs> and yes, doing that voice just made me cough a lot and drink some water. And my eyes are now running. So I won't do that again. Bog standard absolutely bog standard um it hints all the way through that maybe nicholas cage is the devil mm. and um it's it just plays out there are no surprises here it just bungles along no surprises at all gets to a point where you think it's going to finish and it does and that's it really it, it, I mean it's gets five and a half on IMDB personally I think that's a half too much it is it's just bang average does what it says on the tin and none of that is particularly exciting is it well our first of two actually three well no two blockbusters that I am going to um, review the first is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny now, uh, the whole thing here is archaeologist Indiana Jones uh, races against time to retrieve a legendary artefact that can change the course of history. Yeah, and clearly he's not up to all the physical stuff anymore, so they rope in Phoebe Waller-Bridger to give him help. Um, Antonio Banderas is in this as well. Well, look, it's, you know, fucking hell, it's an Indiana Jones film. I'm not going to start reading out the cast. I'm sure you're all well aware of it. Um... There's lots to like in this, but unfortunately for me, there's also lots to not like in it. Um, 
It's just the original... Okay, look, I'm going to sound like a proper old bastard, but the original Indiana Jones movies never felt the need to involve aliens or fucking time travel, as this one does. You heard me fucking right. I mean, it is... Yeah, they end up in a different time having a chat to one of the famous Greek philosophers. I think it might be Archimedes or something like this. And Harrison Ford's going, no, no, I want to stay here. I don't want to come back with you. And you're just like, hang on. Rules of, rules of time travel and history, which he's reminding everybody all the time. If you're fucking kicking around from the 20th century back then, it's going to fucking completely change the direction of the world, you stupid bastard. And to that example, he just goes, yeah, you know, kind of a, like a sulking child. Honestly... This movie was quite enjoyable and then it, just towards the end, you're just thinking, well, actually, when they travelled back to the wrong point in time, they weren't meant to travel there, of course, because when does anybody who is heading for a particular time in time ever manage to travel back to that time exactly? Fucking never. That's when. But anyway, I literally said out loud, oh, fuck off. Really? And, yeah, I won't be watching it again. It's all right. Two and a half hours. Yeah. You know. I'm re- Put it this way. I'm glad I didn't go and see it at the cinema and pay money to see it. Now, this couldn't be more opposite. This couldn't be more opposite. This is a documentary called Hired Gun, all the way from back in 2016. And you know what? I never really bothered with it because I just thought, yeah, yeah, it's, it's about session musicians. You know, and nothing against session musicians, but I don't know, I just, it didn't grab me. I should have probably read the premise. It's a documentary um, about session and touring musicians that are hired by well-established and famous bands like Metallica, Kiss, Billy Joel. Uh, these hired guns may not be household names, but they're still masters of their craft. It goes a lot deeper than that. John Five is excellent in this, by the way. It goes a lot deeper than that. Um, Randy Rhodes and Ozzy Osbourne and the death of Randy Rhodes is covered in this movie. That never gets covered anywhere, so that's the reason for watching it. Um, Jason stepping in for Cliff Burton in Metallica. That gets covered. And loads of other stuff in the rock world, but also the pop world as well. And I just found it really, really interesting. And also some from the 80s. You've got people like Steve, well, I call him Steve Lukather, and Steve, some people don't. Lukather, 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 whatever. But he's on there saying, like, I listened to the top 20 back in the 80s one week, and there was, I had five guitar solos in the top 10 singles, and I wasn't credited on any of them. And I was like, wow, fucking hell. So, yeah, Hired Gun, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. Next up. I tried to watch Tenet again. T-E-N-E-T. Not calling it a blockbuster. It's a, it's a Nolan film. That doesn't mean it's not a blockbuster. Hey, maybe it is. Fuck it. It's another blockbuster. Well, I tried again. Armed only with one word, Tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something uh, beyond real time. I mean, this is definitely Christopher Nolan reaching, you know, basically reaching maximum head up my own ass territory um 
he has said that parts of the soundtrack, parts of dialogue are deliberately muffled and mumbled so you can't hear what's being said. Now, to me, you've, you've just fucking jumped the shark there, whatever. When you... If you if you're if you've got a movie with a twist or it's a it's a real you know really really interesting difficult layered plot fine but don't start mumbling that's cheating don't start don't start doing that it's fucking bollocks now the weird thing is I enjoyed this more the second time than I did the first and that's because I think I knew what I was getting first time around I was just like mm, yeah so I kind of I, I picked up more and I'm probably definitely going to watch it again eventually it might really win me over but honestly uh, you know uh, John David Washington in the lead is fucking brilliant I love him Robert Pattinson is absolutely um, excellent is in, in this, as is um, Elizabeth Debicki. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm probably not. Um, but the one thing that this movie is hamstrung for me, or rather hamstrings it, oh, whatever, use whatever string you like, yeah, whatever flavour string you like. But Kenneth Branagh as a completely debauched, murderous Russian oligarch gangster. No. Sorry, just fucking no. Cannot take it seriously. This is the same guy who's strutting around playing playing Poirot with a fucking stupid moustache. I mean, fuck me, those films are fucking shit. Fucking awful. Awful. Like bad comedies. But anyway, not reviewing those. Tenet. Yeah. I find it very difficult to see past old Ken, I'm afraid. But going to give it another go again sometime and see if I can get a bit more into it. There's definitely... There's too much there. But I'm, I'm determined to try and get to the bottom of it. So, next up, it's another Nicolas Cage film. And boy, did I have fun with this. A teenage girl and her younger brother must survive a wild 24 hours during which a mass hysteria of unknown origin causes parents to turn violently on their own children. Yeah. Director Brian Taylor, writer Brian Taylor, that is where this movie fucking wins. It is a singular writer and director's vision. He has made that come to life and I love this movie. Stars Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair as the parents. The kids are great. It is from uh, 2017. It's at one hour and 26 minutes. It is... Honestly, there are laughs. There are proper... Fucking what? They're pro when I was watching it, I was turning to the person I was watching it going, this is like properly kind of sick slash disturbing slash funny slash not funny isn't it it's like yeah yeah absolutely it honestly i've watched it twice now um since the first time i watched it and when it starts you know what's coming because of what i've just read to you and so there's that feeling of when is when's it going to start there's just this horrible feeling of impending disaster you're not sure when or wh or what it's going to look like but when it starts fuck me brutal yeah big thumbs up from me mom and dad and i do believe it has just arrived on either netflix or prime 
What's definitely just arrived on Netflix is Reptile. Um, Reptile. Tom Nichols is a hardened New England detective. Unflinching in his pursuit of a case where nothing is as it seems, it begins to dismantle the illusions in his own life. Not quite sure what that actually fucking means, but... Um, um, Benicio Del Toro uh, gets writing credit on this. Uh, Benicio Del Toro acts in it, as does Justin Timberlake, as does Eric Bogosian, who you might not know by name, but you will definitely know by face. He's been in all sorts. And it's such a great cast. Tom Nichols, Will Grady. Um, oh, uh, Alicia Silverstone, who's fucking brilliant in this. And now... I'll be honest, I've, a, a good mate of mine has watched this and and he was like, oh, fucking hell, what, what a waste of time. Could have fucking done that in an hour and a half. Bloody didn't need two and a quarter hours. And I, I, I hear that, I hear that. But I got totally absorbed by the performances. It is very actory. But I just got sucked in. I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's the pacing and the performances. So... Two and a quarter hours, you know, that, that's that's some runtime for something that doesn't have a particularly complicated through line or a particularly complicated plot. I'll get there in the end. But mesmerizing performances and just done differently. And things that you see at the very beginning are like start troubling you in your own head going like mm, well maybe it's just it's not in any rush to tell its story it's very old school it's not in any rush to tell a story it's not in any rush to show you um uh you know clues or, or give you an idea of what's going on you just have to watch and, and make up your own mind and pay attention and i really love that about it because that is quite rare um especially in the in the modern in a you know the current financial climate with all studios and you know include Netflix and and Prime are both studios now um I really enjoyed it Reptile on Netflix now Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose now straight out the gate in your mind you may well have an idea of what sounds like a comedy yeah sort of who would be in something like that? Oh, do you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll bet you any money the lead actor is someone like Simon Pegg. No, it is. It's Simon. It's, it is actually Simon Pegg. Yeah. So, in this movie, you've got Simon Pegg. You've got Minnie Driver as his assistant. You've got Christopher Lloyd as a um, uh, an associate. You've got, in fact, you've also got a mate of mine who I know really well. He's a fellow stand-up. But anyway, um, uh, directed by Adam uh, Seagal or Siegel or whatever, S-I-G-A-L, not quite sure how you say that, and stars, you know, Simon Pegg, etc. And it's one hour and 36 minutes. So why am I not sounding more exciting? excited? Because it's all right. It's okay. It's loosely based on some reasonably true stories the whole thing's just a bit whimsical do you know what I mean oh so if you enjoy a bit of whimsy I fucking can't stand whimsy and for those of you not knowing what whimsy is and that's not me being patronising I hope but it's not a term that you get to use very often these days whimsy is not comedy 
and it is nothing bad. It's it's basically it's amusement. It's like oh, that's rather whimsical, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and that's what this film is. It is just. I mean, not going to watch it again. It is about a bloke called Nando Fordor. It is about him investigating the case of a talking mongoose. And, uh, and at the end of the film, there's lots of black and white footage of like of news stories from back in that day. And you're like, oh, right. So somebody has read a few of these news stories and gone, oh, why don't I write a fictional one kind of based on them that were never proven or disproven? And it's just a bit kind of like, yeah, um, wow. This movie got funding. There's like so much, so much out there that, you know, could have been better to fund. But then again, when you've got Simon Pegg, Mini Driver and Christopher Lloyd, you're going to do what I did and go, well, that's got to be better than average then. Nope. No, it isn't. That's exactly what it is. It's an average tale of average folk, an average mystery that isn't a mystery that you don't believe from the beginning, that you're right not to. And after a while, I just kind of felt like everybody in this was a bit of a dickhead. Oh, there you go. Not much of a review, that, is it? You're not going to get that on any other uh, movie review show slash podcast. Anyway, next. Next? No, there's no such word. Next. Master Gardener. One hour, 50 minutes. It's on Prime or Netflix again. Um, a meticulous horticulturist who is devoted to tending to the grounds of a beautiful estate and pandering to his employer, the wealthy dowager. Yeah, you're kind of waiting for the rest of that, aren't you? A meticulous horticulturalist who is devoted to tending to the grounds of a beautiful estate and pandering to his employer, the wealthy dowager. No, that's it. That's all you're getting. But the gardener is Joel Edgerton and the wealthy dowager is Sigourney Weaver. And to that extent, it, it elevates this fairly... I mean, it's fairly inconsequential, fairly... Um, slow-paced but interesting movie and you, you're always wondering what's going on behind the scenes what's going on when you can't see these characters and you you know everything comes to light it's very straightforward it's directed by Paul Schrader so clearly it's well directed and it's also written by Paul Schrader it's it's pretty original um, and it's just it's really well done and I'm yeah, I, w I would probably watch it again. Something a bit different. Um, you know, it's, again, it's paced beautifully. It's acted beautifully. And it comes together beautifully. And, yeah, um, the main performances are fantastic, especially Joel Edgerton, who I always find really, really watchable. That's Master Gardener. Yeah, enjoyed that. Now, this next up, is this is on Prime and this is called Totally Killer. Now, starring one of my own personal favourite um, uh, young female actors called uh, Kiernan Shipka. Um, now, she is the lead in this. When the infamous Sweet Sixteen killer returns 35 years after his first murder spree to claim another victim, 17-year-old Jamie... That's Kiernan. 
accidentally travels back in time to 1987, determined to stop the killer before he can start. Now, this is a time travel movie that it, well, it, it's kind of not. It's it so it's a horror and it's a time travel movie and it's a comedy. Okay, now I really, really enjoyed parts of this and some parts of it I found a bit annoying and irritating but in all I mean there's a, and, and it's from it's from uh, Bloomhouse Blumhouse however you want to pronounce it and so y you know it's going to know what it's doing and it looks great it looks like a horror film straight away with the time travel angle cool okay and you know she mentions that she's travelled in time or something like that. Or the, the phrase like, oh, time travel movies, movies, they all suck. They never make any sense, which is great. It pays attention. It's self-reverential, but jokingly, it also drops loads of nods to loads, nods, that was, to loads of um, horror films you've seen in the past and everything else. The section that, that or rather the tone that really bothered me was when the lead character, um, Jamie Kiernan, travels back in time. The joke is she is from 2023 and she goes back to the 80s. So the joke is, oh, wasn't everybody in the 80s a complete fucking dick? Constantly going around doing totally inappropriate stuff. Which, of course, we weren't. But in the movies they were. So anyway, what you end up with is Kiernan, or Jamie, coming from 2023 to the 80s and being a teenager from now, but doing it in the 80s. So in other words, she just comes across as being fucking middle-aged and boring and a bit of a fucking moaning bastard. Because it's all, oh, inappropriate touch, inappropriate touch. Come on, you guys, what's going? Oh, guys, why aren't you more in touch with your emotions? And then instead some, you know, some teenager from the 80s burps in her face and smashes a beer can over his head. And at that point, you're kind of like, okay, I get the joke. Things have changed since the 80s, yeah? Are you going to make all the jokes about, how people act around each other, and is, is that it? Are you gonna, are you, or you know, are you gonna make any jokes about you, like, you know, about a mobile phone or something like that, or, or are we just gonna keep hammering her? So basically, she's a teenager in 2023, but it turns out that teenager, and this is this was my takeaway. My takeaway is that being a teenager now is like being middle aged in the 80s. So teenagers now are the equivalent to people who were, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s, back in the 80s. Yeah. So basically, there are no uh, fucking stupid kids anymore. No, no. Everybody from around this time is absolutely respectful of everybody's boundaries. Everywhere is a safe place. You can talk to them about anything. And all feelings or emotions are cool and should be talked about and be open about it. And like, let's try and not, you know, let's try and not make gender specific jobs for people. I mean, you can get my point. So 
the fact that the movie kept me on board and that wasn't enough to make me go oh do you know what fuck off because this is like one comic beat that you keep hitting me over the head with and it's the same beat every time surely you should do better and work harder to get more jokes out of the difference between the 80s and the 2020s than just inappropriate touch oh get in touch with your emotions oh anybody can do that job not just a woman i mean it's like fucking hell there's loads of comedy to be had there so it felt a little bit like there was you know there was a kind of agenda there but i i stayed on board with it oh and also you know one of the writers jen jen d'angelo i mean come on she's got to be related right she's got to be related but anyway uh Kiernan's in it uh Oliver Holt's in it Charlie Gillespie's in it everybody acts really well it's really well done it's re and it's just that it was that just that constant uh smacking overhead of the same comic conceit that, that I just found wearing and after a while just annoying I just wanted to give this give you know Kiernan a slap and say look you're in the 80s it was different stop doing the same fucking gag over and over again but it won me back and genuinely, I really enjoyed the ending and just, yeah. In fact, <laughs> should I? Yeah, okay. Look, if you don't want to hear the very last line from the movie, then skip forward a few seconds, stick your fingers in the ears. But the very last line in the movie, which I really liked, is, you know, Kiernan or Jamie just sat on the doorstep and she just goes, fucking time travel. So yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty uh, a pretty cool way of ending things. So coming next on Prime, you can get all of these Prime on Netflix. This one's on Prime, and this is The Burial, starring Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, already I'm watching it, and Jamie Fox. Okay, I'm in. Brilliant. Inspired by true events, a lawyer helps a funeral home over save his family business from a corporate behemoth, exposing a complex web of race, power and injustice. Um, Gordon, uh, one of uh, the patrons, gave this a big thumbs up. Thank you, Gordon. That made me think next time I saw it, I'm going to check it out. Really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed this. This is like a throwback. You know, it's two hours long based on a true story Tommy Lee Jones just you know kind of plays a guy who just no matter what is not going to be walked all over even if it costs him his house and everything he's worked for all his life and um Jamie Foxx plays a uh, a lawyer who you could never ever ever imagine taking a case like this and it yeah everybody in it even the minor roles, they're all people where you go, yeah, seen him in loads, seen her in loads, yeah, the, but never, never the lead, are they? No, just, yeah, really enjoyed it. Courtroom drama, it's, but it's about so much more than that. You know, it's about, it's a, you know, it's David versus Goliath, it's the small man versus corporate America, it's all sorts, and really good, really enjoyable, really enjoyed it. And next up, it is possibly the blockbuster of the show. It's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. The last Mission Impossible movie I thought was one of the best 
um, action movies I've I've seen. I absolutely loved it. I've always kind of popped in and stayed in contact with my friends at Mission Impossible. And this movie was no different. So um, it starts out, it starts out the usual way, you know, mission or whatever. But what we're told is, in fact, here is the, um, here's the plot. Ethan Hunt and his MIF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. I mean, that really is like, you hear that and you're like, really? What, again? That's a bit dull. That's a bit... The mysterious weapon is an AI. And all I can say is that this is Mission Impossible's attempt to get... to become relevant again, to be not doing the, you know, the just finding a spy and oh it was really them all along bullshit what you end up with is a, a just a fucking mess tonally all over the place I mean there's a whole car chase that's supposed to be funny but like funny car chases aren't Mission Impossible territory at all now you will have heard of all of the stunts in this and the stunts when they happen are fantastic that absolutely no query here but three stunt set pieces in two hours and 45 minutes is not enough especially when the rest of the movie is people in rooms saying the same thing over and over to each other the people change but basically, and in one scene, in one scene, for some, for no reason at all, one of the characters dresses up like Adamant in in Stand and Deliver video. Genuinely, this fucking happens. The whole white face, tear, and the, um, the, the jacket, the whole thing. It's never explained. Don't know why that happens, right? Um, and at one point, this movie is more like Lord of the Rings than anything because an AI, right, is... It, it, they're trying to make the AI into the villain and not a weapon that people are trying to track down, but a weapon that knows you and knows how you think and knows what you're scared of and will try and do... Th so if, you, if, you, if you're going to do that, you better not do that because it will know you're going to do that because it knows you. So you need to do something you wouldn't normally do. And believe you and me... That is literally word for word what goes on in some scenes. And you get that same scene plenty of times. So don't worry about staying, you know, staying with the story because you are going to get several, several explanations of the story. They just keep fucking coming. They can't stop telling you the fucking plot. Meanwhile, nothing happens and you go no further forward. And at one point, Lord of the Rings, fucking hell. They've turned the AI, it even turns into an eye. And it's watching them. I mean, fuck off, really? And, oh, those scenes of talking in rooms. But that would change everything. It will. Nobody will know what the truth is anymore. Truth will be something that is owned by the person who owns the AI. But if the AI may own you, ah, but what is the truth of that? Nobody knows what the truth is. Ah, truth will be... And that... 
would be terrible for the world. Yes, that would be terrible for the world. Would it be terrible for the world? It would be terrible for the world. Everybody keeps going on how it's going to be terrible for the world. It's fucking so lame. I honestly, so disappointed. So disappointed. And just to prove how clunky this can be, right? Tom Cruise is on the hunt for a key, okay? And he meets another character who's also trying to help him with the key. And this is the dialogue. I, yep, that's right, I recorded it. This is the dialogue at that point. The key! Tell me you have the key. Where is the key? It was just here. I mean, really? Did you say the key enough? Could you not say a bit more in case the audience aren't fucking sure what you meant, despite the fact that this is two and a half hours in to a two and three quarter hour film? We all fucking know what the key is. Have you got the key? No, have you got the key? Where is the key? It was here a minute ago. It's pathetic. Honestly, I will be watching part two, but for comedy purposes only. And I and it gets and this is a prime example of a movie that's got great ratings everywhere. 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.8 on IMDb. I am clearly out of step, but for me, it was fucking bollocks. So, what was not bollocks? Bill Burr writes and directs his first full-length feature film out on Netflix, Old Dads. If you're a fan of Bill Hicks, uh, Bill Hicks, Bill Burr's stand-up over the years, you'll see some, uh, there's some lovely um, bits and pieces in there. There's some Easter eggs for hardcore fans, which I would consider myself. And it's just a really good movie about three dads getting old, um, feeling a little bit left behind with the world, you know, feeling a bit like they're, they're under attack for being having done nothing wrong but for just being who they are and it's it is funny i enjoyed it um really enjoyed it there's some great stuff in it really well observed stuff in it you know and um it doesn't hold back i was i was actually quite surprised uh also bill burr and bobby can uh, cannavale in a movie together fucking great really great and yeah if you've got kids this this movie will uh, yeah, it will really, um, well, it'll be a little bit more um, relevant to you than it was for me. But yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool, man. Really enjoyed it. I'm really glad to see that he didn't fuck it up. Uh, now, two final films. First up, Hidden Strike. That has just come to Netflix. It stars Jackie Chan and John Cena. Two ex-Special Forces soldiers must escort a group of civilians along Baghdad's highway of death to the safety of the green zone. Do you know what? Never even realised it was in Baghdad. Didn't even realise that was where it was set. Um, right, basically, when, any, when, when you use the phrase brain-dead action movie, if turn your brain off for an hour and 45 minutes, they're referring to this film right because it is brain dead some of the dialogue is terrible a, hel a helicopter pilot right with his two fingers pointing at his eyes and then pointing down at the ground yeah so he turns round looks at a guy points at his fingers 
points at the ground and then says, look, well, you're in a helicopter. The whole point of the hand signals is he can't fucking hear you. So the look is for the person watching because the people who made this film think that you pointing to your eyes and then pointing to the ground doesn't mean look over there. It means something completely different and you wouldn't know unless they said, look, it's fucking dense as fuck. Also, I think because there's a lot of Chinese money behind this, right? I think there is a scene where one of the, uh, there's a Chinese helicopter full of troops and it gets taken out by the bad people on the ground and it's going down in flames behind mountains and that's it. There's no explosion. Nothing. Now, they've spent shitloads of money on this film, right? Um, and at times, it, that's amazing as well because some of the CGI is so bad. It's like they're clearly not in the desert most of the time. But it's just, it was just like, hey? And they literally, you see the helicopter, it's going down behind the mountain. It's like, oh, right, any minute, they, you know, any minute, the big. Nope. Now, the only thing, the only reason I can think of is because they were Chinese troops and there's Chinese money behind this and the baddies have taken them out. We're not having that. We are not having that. We're paying for this fucking movie. We're not having our people blown up. So anyway, right there, straight away, that's fairly early doors. I was like, eh? So the idea is Jackie Chan and some troops are going in to take 500 people out of a power station and get them out there as soon as possible. But the only way can do, they do it is the highway of death. What? The highway of death? Yes, the highway of death. The highway of death? Yeah. What, the highway of... The highway of death? Yes, the highway of death. We're going on the highway of death? What, the highway of death? Is it dangerous? What do you think? What's it called? The highway of death. Fuck off! I mean, for a start, get it? The highway of death. Do me a fucking favour. Sounds like a joke. Sounds like a comic book. And one thing that is never explained in this movie is why John Cena seems to have superhero strength. I shit you not. He has superhero strength in this movie and it is never mentioned. He can throw people like across a courtyard with one arm no one's saying anything no one it's it's fucking weird now at times there is some great um interplay between jackie chan and john cena and and there's some great stunts but by that point i'm just going fucking hell i can't tell if this is so bad it's good or so bad it's fucking terrible um just ju yeah just you know, some people would say big, dumb fun. I would say that is a compliment. I would say big, dumb, dumb. Uh, and, and towards the end, the interchanges and humour between Jackie Chan and John Cena, you're just thinking, oh, fuck off, will you? Just get on with it. And yeah. So, oh, anyway, so like I said, right, they're going to get those 500 people out, the, out of this power station, right? That's 11 coaches full of people, right? 11 coaches full of people. Go through a sandstorm and get attacked. That's when one of the helicopters go down and Jackie Chan in the lead bus goes, right, one of the buses has been hijacked. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and try and find that. You guys carry on. And that's the end of that. You never see 
any of the buses ever again. That's that. That, Despite the fact that this whole movie has started and set up and it's like, right, okay, the highway of death, the highway of death. We're going to try and get 11 buses along the highway of death. Really? Are we going the highway of death again? We certainly are. We're taking the buses on the highway of death. We're taking the buses on the highway of death. How many buses? 11 buses. 11 buses on the highway of death. How many buses do you think we're going to get there with? I don't know. I bet six. I bet seven. I bet 10. I bet 11. Really? Do you? But we're on the highway of death. What? The highway of death? Why is it called that? Because it's fucking dangerous. Do people die on it? Yes, they do. Well, they're only on it for, oh, I don't know, about two miles, goes pear-shaped. One of them gets kidnapped. One of the buses gets kidnapped. Well, you know, taken off. And then another bus goes off to go and find it. Well, the other nine buses made it, I presume. There was no no problems. They just went and did the rest of the journey on their own. I mean, presumably that's another film somewhere. I don't fucking care. Finally... It's taken me a while to get to this. I kind of like the fact it was based on a true story. I'd heard positive, I'd heard negative. Eventually I got round to it, and that was Gran Turismo. Um, The movie of the game, but it's not based on the game. Based on the unbelievable, inspiring true story of a team of underdogs, a struggling working class gamer, a failed former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsport executive who risk it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. So, uh, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed it. It's, again, it's, you know, it's um, underdog story more than anything. This is one of those films where, you know, when people say, like, have you seen Rocky, any of the Rocky films? No, I don't like boxing. It's like, it's not about boxing, fuck's sake. I mean, it kind of is, but it's not really. It's an underdog story. And if you're not into gaming and you're not into motor racing, it doesn't fucking matter. That's not really what it's about. It's about way much more than that. It's about a son trying to trying to you know prove his his dad wrong or at least get his dad's approval. Um, again, it's you know David versus Goliath. It's about people trying something that nobody thinks they can pull off, um, and it's all based on true events. I really enjoyed this. There is some great performances. There really is. Um, and in a movie like this, I really wasn't expecting it. Um, now, David Harbour, famous for Strange Things, the big cop. Um, he plays Jack Salter in it, who's awesome. Orlando Bloom is in it. Now, David Harbour, Jack Salter, he's in charge of all of them and basically, you know, gives them a hard time all the time. Orlando Bloom plays the executive whose idea it was. And um, uh, Yarchi, sorry, Archie Madaki plays Jan Mardenborough, who is the gamer who tries to go for it in the world of real motor racing. So, um, he's fantastic in it. I, I haven't seen him in anything else. And I I was really impressed with him in this. Um, really enjoyed it. And actually, bloody hell, I've just clicked on him. He was born in 1995. Now I feel like a fucking dinosaur. <laughs> right, so he was in Midsummer in 2019. I think he was one of the guys at the beginning of that who aren't in it very long. So there you go. And Bo is afraid. So it's only it's only his third movie. Really enjoyed it. And it's all about the true story of, you know, there was a competition to see if, it, see if the best gamers would be any good in real cars. Turns out, well, you'll have to watch the movie to find out how it turns out. But I really enjoyed it. And if you give it a whirl, I hope you do too. Right. Wow. 55 minutes in. 
Let's take a pause and I'll be back in a few seconds with the TV series. Okay, here we go with the TV shows. Now, first up, We Hunt Together. This is, I think, on BBC iPlayer, although for some strange reason both series are not on there, but they are on either Prime or, or Netflix. Really, really enjoyed both these series. A gripping twist on a classic cat and mouse story, this British drama series explores the intoxication of sexual attraction and the dangerous power of emotional manipulation as two conflicted detectives track down a pair of deadly killers. The conflicted detectives are absolutely fucking great. Eve Miles in the lead role is just outstanding. Um, sorry, Eve Miles is not in the uh, in, in the lead role. She's DS Lola Franks, and Babu Cisse is Di Jackson Mendy. Both of them are absolutely excellent. Their boss is Vicky Pepperdine, who you may well have seen in a lot of really good stuff. Um, and it, I, I just really enjoyed this. Now I'm I'm desperately trying to find the uh, the name of the actor who is in the lead fucking role. And of course, it's right there in front of me. Um, and her name is Hermione Caulfield, um, who plays Freddie Lane. And she's a fucking nutbag and a half. And I d at, at first, I thought there might be a supernatural element to this. And, and maybe there is and maybe there isn't. I can't explain it. But it is off kilter the the cops are fantastic together and quite funny at times the the lead she is Hermione Caulfield is a, a, a magnetic screen presence who is just like wrong there's just something really not right about her and it's it's fucking off all the time the police know who she is they can't prove that she's doing anything she's she doesn't seem to want to do what she's doing but people keep turning up dead and it's it's just I well put it this way I enjoyed season one so much smashed into season two and I'm waiting for season three we hunt together next up from the US wolf pack now if you're a patron you've already hear, heard myself and Paul Waller of the uh, a Year in Horror podcast, sign up for fuck's sake if you haven't already. Subscribe to that. Um, and for our patrons, um, we did we, we do our own show called A Year in Bollocks and we covered Wolfpack. I'd already seen it. Um, Paul watched it as well. He didn't like it as much as me. It's eight episodes. It's about werewolves. Um... A teenage boy uh, and a girl get their lives changed forever when a California wildfire awakens a terrifying supernatural creature. As the full moon rises, all teens come together to unravel the secret that connects them. I mean, this is a this is kind of werewolves without werewolves. You don't actually see, but it's and that might think you might think, oh well, it's not up to much then. No, it's I I really really enjoyed this. The only time it really comes unstuck. And, and is a bit mispaced is when they try and do 
interpersonal relationships which are all incredibly clunky and horrible but I'm really looking forward to season two I'd say watch the first episode and see what you make of it you'll have to dig around to find it so did I but yeah um, I loved that first episode it starts in the middle of a forest fire and people trying to be evacuated so yeah I was expecting the old you know sit there and dark dark nights and foggy hills and it takes no boom you're straight in so um yeah Wolfpack really enjoyed it really enjoyed it and now this goes without saying one of my one of my peak pieces of television ever is the TV series Justified starring um Timothy Oliphant as um Raylan Givens who is a police officer who never backs down and does things a little differently. The reason why I loved all the seasons of Justified is that it's based on a short story. Um, and the short story, is, I, I know, how do you get all these TV series out of one short story? Well, when it was written by Elmore Leonard, then you know you're in business. I mean, I don't think Quentin Tarantino would have had any career if it wasn't for Elmore Leonard so yeah he's fantastic uh, as a fantastic writer and it's the dialogue and the characters that just keep you kept me coming back and wow I found a new series there has been no justified for quite a few years don't know how many years but we're talking like seven eight years boom it's back out of nowhere justified City Primeval is what it's called. Um, and it's great. If you like Justified, then just track this down, whatever you do, and watch it. Raylan is back and he's kicking ass as always. Except now he's got a daughter who's slightly older and a bit like him. And instead of being annoying, it's pretty cool. Um, really enjoyed this. I Look, it's just fucking great. It really is. And... Um, playing opposite Timothy, Timothy Oliphant is this is um, uh, the wonderful Clement Mansell or is it Boyd Holbrook I can't remember which um, oh there you go it's Boyd Holbrook that's the real guy he plays Clement Mansell these two are facing off all the time it's really cool just like Justified and if uh, and if you don't even know what Justified is go and find it find the box set it's on Netflix or or um, uh, a prime and go and watch loads of justified fucking great cop stuff wonderful but not cop stuff it's just go and watch it right next up wow well it's ahsoka the mini series okay yep it's another star wars series um this one is um well it, it's it's a little bit different um I will. I'll, I'll stop padding in a minute once I've got uh, the tab up that I just accidentally fucking closed. Ah, I wanted to try and not pause it, but hey, here comes pause. Only pause for me though, isn't it? Not you. No, it was like there was not a pause, wasn't it? Well, that's kind of the idea. Anywho, here we go. Um, Ahsoka, Ahsoka, Ahsoka. Can't remember. After the fall of the Galactic Empire. God, does anyone care anymore? A former Jedi Knight. Ahsoka Tano investigates an emerging threat to a vulnerable galaxy. Rosario Dawson's in it. Uh, David Tennant pops in it for a little bit. I mean, yeah, there's some there's some actors doing some actory things. Um, 
Ahsoka is spelled A-H-S-O-K-A. Um, I don't know. You could go that it's a shocker, a soaker. I don't know. It's not a shocker. I struggled to get into this. I really, really did. None of the characters for me really kind of become three-dimensional at any point. They are all just, well, I've seen that. Oh, it's that kind of character from from that Star Wars thing. Oh, and that guy, he's playing that kind of character. It's just, it's just like they're, they're stuck in these Star Wars ruts and and that's it that's and it just never got going for me at all and you know I was just just also one of the so-called Jedi Knights who has not finished their training yet fucking hell I mean the actor in the role should not be doing fight scenes fucking embarrassing at times where you just think what are you doing you're supposed that's that is really poor so anyway it's pointless reviewing this really because if you're in the whole star wars thing you're probably going to watch this and if you're not you're probably not so watch away let me know what you think i didn't think it was all that next up the question is on netflix who is erin Carter. Erin Carter, a British teacher in Spain, finds herself caught up in a supermarket robbery when one of the robbers claims to recognise her. Her life threatens to unravel. Now, I don't know about anyone else, but doesn't that ring a bell? Somebody being involved in a crime or a robbery or was there, and then someone, and, and then everything goes pear-shaped after that, and blah, blah, blah. And it's eight episodes, and the first four I really enjoyed and then the fifth begins with well it answers the question as to who Erin Carter is and within 10 minutes I was like yeah that's absolute bollocks sorry cannot fucking get on board with that and I left it so first four episodes really enjoyed major conceit revealed and I just thought oh fuck off fuck off it was it was a believable thriller up to now. I was interested. Oh, I wonder what her background is. And you've totally gone and shown me. And I'm like, <coughs> I'm expected to believe that. Fuck off. But that's just me. Maybe you will be different. Halfway through, then I left it. So I, I can't comment any further. Maybe it fucking comes back amazingly. But yeah, not for me. Now, next up, have you watched the series power on netflix there are six seasons of it do you know what that means it means it's really fucking good because nothing gets six seasons on netflix unless it's really fucking good it is um 50 cents in it not much but it's proper gangster shit um and it's honestly power i absolutely loved it and lots of the characters in it have actually gone and got their own series off it and this is one of the characters, Tommy Egan. And this is Power Book 4 or 5, I'm not sure. And it's called Force. And it is the character Tommy Egan, who I loved in Power, has now got his own series. I've watched the whole first series. I have, I'm on series two. And I am waiting for episode nine. As I record this, it is due to land tomorrow. Uh, and then episode ten... 
the week after that and then that season will be I've absolutely loved it loved it but you don't need to have seen any of power to get to get into this so if you sound like you honest Tommy Egan is such a fucking cool character he's a white guy who's just basically if you weren't looking at the screen and he had a different voice you'd assume he was black he just he's just been that's how he's been raised he's and he's turned up in Chicago having to leave New York and just starts getting fucking into it straight away with everybody. And he's just fucking cool. Really cool character. Excellent. Excellent two series. If Just, yeah. Criminals, away from the cops, guns, all the rest of it. Fucking great. Top, top cat and mouse shit. So, yeah. That is power, book, whatever. It's called Force. Look for Force. F-O-R-C. Uh, it's one of the power books. It's great. Next up, TV series on Prime, The Continental, from the world of John Wick. Now, let's get one thing clear, shall we? They've called it a TV series, okay? And there is an episode guide. But where it falls down a little for me is the fact that, well... Basically, no, it doesn't fall down. I'm not going to criticise it for this. But each episode is basically either an hour and 20 or an hour and 30 minutes long. That's why there's only three episodes. It's basically three movies. I mean, the runtime of these three TV episodes is four hours and 29 minutes. It's from the world of John Wick, which again means you're either going to watch it or you aren't. You don't have to have seen any of the John Wick movies to watch this. And it's from the world of John Wick. It's not exactly like John Wick. It's certainly not as fighty and not as punchy and not as shooty. But that's not to say that it isn't punchy, fighty and shooty. So definitely worth a watch if you're me. It's an 18 certificate. It doesn't fuck about the Continental. Um, up after that, it was Wilderness. Yeah, Wilderness, starring the amazing, the gorgeous Jenna Coleman. Uh, Wilderness follows a twisted love story where a happily ever after life quickly turns into a living nightmare. It's, it's a couple thing. They think everything's perfect. Turns out it isn't. How's it going to play out? Who's going to fuck over who first? Who knows what? It plays out um, across six episodes. And, um, yeah, it, 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 I enjoyed it. Got across all six. Didn't, didn't quite go to the places I felt it could have. Um, it gets a very solid rating on IMDb. I would give it less. Uh, I've seen a lot of it before. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of those where by the end of the first episode, you'll know. Um, and I, I, yeah, I did enjoy it. It just, yeah, it's, it's not amazing, but hey, that's just my opinion. You might think it is. So Wilderness on Prime. What does he know? What does she know? Are they going to go behind each other's backs? Are they going to try and kill each other? Are they going to make it up? Are they fraudsters? Who's, what the fuck's going on? It's pretty, yeah. Maybe I enjoyed it a little bit more than I thought. One thing I'm definitely enjoying, which hasn't finished yet, that's the new series from the world of The Boys on Prime. Please, if, you haven't, if you're not into The Boys on Prime, if you haven't watched any, if you don't know what it is, 
it's it's certificate 18 comedy hard ass action superhero stuff but it's not superhero stuff it's basically they like this they're, they're not superheroes they're super wankers they're, they're, they are fucking pretty unlikable all of them that's the boys gen v this is a spin-off from the boys um i'm up to date with episodes another one dropping tomorrow really enjoying it you don't have to have seen the boys um to to get straight into gen v and yeah it's great i love it but it's that kind of thing that if you're into it already you'll be into it if you're thinking it sounds like it's for kids or anything it's an 18 the boys all all three series are 18 certificate gen v is 18 certificate so if you've been put off by the superhero aspect don't be please don't be there's a lot to be got from it that was gen v and this is also quite weird this is brand new cherry flavor this is from 2021 and it's eight episodes on netflix i'm about halfway through and the fucked up shit in this program it's insane i it's i don't know if it's horror i don't know if it's supernatural i don't know i, I don't know what's going on i mean it's it keeps throwing me off and and that to me it's just really engrossing the main character um I, i'm just going to put this out there okay at one point the main character isn't feeling too well and pukes up a kitten a baby cat and also she's moved into a flat but there's loads of like she put a little plant in it and that plant has turned into like basically it's growing all over it's growing vines all over her room she goes to the neighbours to say have you got a is this growing through your ceiling everybody has moved out of the building and there's only her left and yeah I mean weird right fucking weird I'm not through it all yet but I'm, I'm enjoying it and it's set in the 90s which again makes it feel just I don't know a little bit more quirky a little bit more weird and Mm. weird quirky supernatural um bit mad I, I mean more than a bit mad but anyway i'm yeah i'm enjoying it it sounds like the kind of thing that you know you want to fuck yourself up with brand new cherry flavor that's on netflix and finally well it's another netflix and it's a documentary and it's called one word and that word is Beckham now I am not a Manchester United fan I'm a if anything a Manchester United hater they are known as the scum to me because I'm a Leeds fan but do you know what Dave B put it where it counted for England every single fucking time and one of my one of my all-time favorite England memories is watching him score that free kick against Greece at Old Trafford to get us to the Euros which was absolutely fucking amazing um this is four episodes that i found absolutely bizarrely transfixing i really enjoyed it uh gary neville is in it he's quite he's pretty funny there's a lot of people who are in it loads of people in football are in it it's, but again this is not about football this is about 
a young lad getting married to a Spice Girl and all the stuff they had to go through. Uh, Posh puts in quite a few appearances. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's just, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating kind of look, peek behind the curtain, if you like. It's it's absolutely fascinating. And I really enjoyed it. It's, I mean, anybody can watch this kind of thing. There was a time there where the Beckhams were just about more famous than the fucking royal family. And, you know, you get to see that from, from their point of view, what it must have been like at the time. There's some real weird curveballs in there and things I didn't know and all sorts. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. Really really enjoyed it and I was very speculative going I was like some people said it's pretty good I'll stick it on and before I knew it I well yeah I watched three episodes in one sitting finished it off the following day so there you go that's it that is all of the movies and all of the TV shows which at last count 20 movies 11 TV series well (laughs) I hope that's given you at least one thing to watch tonight. Thanks for listening. Always a pleasure. Catch you next time.